Thank you, guys. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. We're supposed to have a winter storm roll in here sometime. I don't, I don't know. Sometime. We keep hoping, don't we? Hey, we're in Galatians chapter 1, if you would turn there in your Bibles with me today. Galatians chapter 1. We are continuing our series, right? And what is our series? Let's, get, let's do a test. It's an equation. Okay, God plus nothing equals everything. Scotty is that close, right? Because we use the term Jesus, right? Jesus plus nothing is everything, but Jesus is God, so you still get credit for that, Scotty. Good job. <clears throat> Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and that is so freeing. Uh, Galatians, we've talked about, is the Christian's declaration of freedom and independence, that we can be free in Christ because of Christ alone, uh, through faith alone, right, by his grace alone. And that's, that's important for us to understand as Christians, that that is, that is the thing, that is it, that is the gospel. And we start adding things to that, we're taking away from the gospel, polluting the gospel, changing the gospel into something different, a different gospel, which Paul said what? A different gospel other than the gospel is no gospel at all. Because the good news is the good news, and if it's not the good news, it's the, it's the bad news. It's the bad news. I don't want the bad news, I want the good news. I hope you do too. The problem we, we found in the, in the Galatian church was, in the Galatian churches, uh, was that the heart of the gospel was being undermined by this religious sect, this, these false teachers, these Judaizers, who, who came up, uh, grew up, and, and embraced a really strict Jewish tradition and legalism, which, which hey, great, good job. But they, you know, a lot of them, even when Jesus encountered them, said, you guys are, are far from me. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You say you do the things you need to do. But inside, your heart is far, far from me. And really, that's always been the case with Jesus. He says, I want to look at the heart. I want to look at what's going on inside of you, not just what you're doing externally, right? And, that, and that's where like, the rubber meets the road. That's, that's why even in a gospel of grace, by faith, right, in, in Christ alone, is, is kind of scary. Because to get there, I've got to examine my heart. And I would rather sometimes just go on being who I was. Looking good, doing the part, filling the role, but never actually allowing God to convict or change the heart. And that's what's needed, isn't it? That's what's needed is, is, is God to look at our heart and, and kind of just throw it around, turn it over and say, you need me, you need something different. And he's, like, he's right there saying, I've got it all. I'm ready to offer it all for you. I'll give everything to you if you would just believe. And grace is so easy, but it's so difficult because of that, because we don't like to expose our heart. Other churches that he wrote this letter, letters to and, and to admonish them or encourage them or correct them, right? He, he wrote them because of their behavior and said, you know, this isn't lining up with a heart that's responsive to the grace of Christ. But to the churches in Galatia, he, he had no encouragement, no, no commendation saying, way, way to go, you're doing a great job. He said, you are allowing yourself to be fooled by a different gospel. And this is a gospel issue. This is a, an eternity issue that we have to get settled so for you and I, as we look at this, this gospel message, it's important for us to wrap our mind around what, about, around what Paul is presenting and what the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ really is. Paul was really upset. He was upset that, that not, not that there were false teachers. He knew there were false teachers, right? He knows there will always be people that, that come in and try to, try to make you, like pull you away and lead you astray. What he was upset about, we saw last week, was, I'm astonished, I'm amazed that you are believing it. That, that those who had heard the message, who had received or, or said they believed, are, are turning to a different form, a different gospel, than the purity of grace by faith in Christ alone. So we look at the first couple chapters, I told you, is, is going to be very, very personal. It's Paul being very raw, very personal, 
uh, very emotional at first, and, then he, and today we're looking at Paul's testimony. He shares, she shares the, the, the confirmation or the affirmation of the gospel. He says, listen, the gospel is correct. The message I received is right, and I'm going to show you because here's my testimony. Here's what God has done and shown me, and, and you should understand that that is affirmation enough because you know me. And then chapters 3 and 4, we're going to move into the doctrinal stance of grace. And then finally in, in chapters uh, 5 and 6, we'll see the, the practical means of living by grace and what, what we're called to as, as Christ followers. All right? So we're in Galatians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 11. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get to work. God, you are a gracious, gracious God, and we are so grateful for you. As we come today to worship you and to celebrate who you are, we come as individuals who, who say we believe. We believe that, that it's through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are saved. And we are thankful that you have filled us with your righteousness. Today, as we look at your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would challenge us, that you would change us, God, that we would move into a place of obedience, and that you would conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. If you can open your Bibles, hopefully you're there. If not, there's one in front of you in the pew rack, all right? So, so Paul just got done saying from last week, he said, he said, listen, I've just told you a bunch of stuff, and I was pretty upset, pretty emotional, but it's from God. It's kind of a spiritual spanking, right? He says, now look, that should be proof. I'm not trying to please people. My message is not about pleasing people. And, and kind of in that, in that mind, mindset, by the way, those who are around you and trying to sway you are trying to please people. And they're trying to gain power. Because I, I wouldn't be a good servant of Christ if I was trying to please people. That's why I'm trying to please God. So I'm trying to please God in what I say. And then he jumps into verse 11. He's now, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel preached by me is not based on a human point of view. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I persecuted God's church to an extreme degree and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and then came back to Damascus. And after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, but I stayed with him, or I stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I write to you, I am not lying. God is my witness. Afterwards, I went to the regions of Syria and uh, Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches in, uh, in Christ. They simply kept hearing. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Now, not because of me, right? Because of what Christ has done in me and the change. Th this snapshot today we're going to look at, 11 through 24, is, is the testimony, Paul's testimony of the gospel. Now, it, it should be known, you and I also should have a testimony of the gospel. So today as we go through these points and we, we examine them, what I want you to do later today, maybe while we're, while we're doing this today, but maybe later, go home and, and write your own story. Go to these points and say, well, what, where did I see this? How, do, how can I relate, relate to that? Because this is how the testimony of the gospel is presented to everyone. 
And that's why it can be affirmed. See, the, these churches, the, these churches in Galatia were struggling uh, with, with holding on to traditions, holding on to rules, and holding on to some legalism that they, they said, this is what's important. It's, yeah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We, we believe in Jesus too. But it's also something else. See, they were adding something. They said Jesus plus something. Right? And Paul said, that's nothing. That's nothing. And, and, and they, they needed this confirmation that the message they had received originally from Paul was actually the message, and Paul knew that they needed that. So he begins this process of sharing his testimony, the testimony of the gospel. So number one, let's see what the first part is. In the testimony of the gospel, Paul says it is from God. Number one, it is from God. Look what he says in, in verses uh, 11 and 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel preached by me is not based on a human point of view. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now this is much different than anything else Paul had ever experienced in his religious experience, right? In, in religion, in those religious ways and tradition, what, what you're, you're experiencing is you sit down, we teach you, we tell you, and we tell you what to believe, and we tell you what to say. Right? My hope is as we come today, as we come to the Word of God today, we are allowing God to teach us through the power of His Holy Spirit. Right? And that we are convinced about who God is because God chooses to convince you. He may use people to do that, but it doesn't mean you have to go to a class and get a degree and then get a doctorate right, to make sure that you know the gospel. Jesus can convict you and convince you about the message of, of the hope in Christ by the Word and by the Spirit alone. Amen? Amen? God alone. It's by God alone. It's from God. It's not from a point of view. It's not from a, a little powwow circle on the mountain that we figured it out. It is from the revelation of God through Christ in the Word of God by the power of His Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, I have this. I want you to know. He says, I want you to know. And that, and that phrase is, basically says, I'm telling you, I certify the purity of this message. It wasn't something that I downloaded off the internet and, and read to you. It was a message of Jesus Christ, and it's powerful. It is from God. He wanted to make it perfectly clear that the gospel that he preaches is not human in nature or human in authority. He did not invent it. He did not alter it. The message is completely divine in origin without any mixture of human tradition. And that's what he was up against. First of all, that's what he was up against originally in his own life, wasn't he? Human tradition. The things he'd been taught, the things he excelled in, the things he was zealous for. And God said, oh, we're wiping that slate clean. That's, that's nothing. So he was up against that with the Judaizers saying, well, we need to add tradition. We need to keep tradition. Hold on to this tradition. You can hold on to Jesus, but you have to have this. If you don't have this, you're in trouble. Paul said, no, there's purity in the gospel without any mi mixture of human wisdom or human tradition. And that, that was all new to Paul. And that was probably new to most of these followers, maybe not the Gentile followers. Although the Gentile followers watched the Jewish believers and said, well, they have a lot of traditions. They sure seem like they're, they're doing a lot of stuff to earn their way. So, so it might, be, might have been a little easier. You know, these, these new believers who are, who are looking up to other believers who maybe look more mature and said, well, maybe their way is right. Maybe we need to embrace that way too. And they were, they were falling into this trap of tradition and works righteousness, adding something to the gospel. And Paul knew this, and Paul, Paul based his life on tradition and beliefs and behavior. 
right? But then the grace of God through the good news and message of Christ showed up and changed everything. This goes to show that, that grace must be from God and not from man. And listen, Paul had a lot, a lot he could hold on to, didn't he? A lot of clout, a lot of, a lot of credentials. Go, go to Philippians. Keep your, your finger here, but go to Philippians. Galatians, right? Then Ephesians and Philippians. Two books back. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's short. And we're going to go to chapter 3 in Philippians. I, I want to show you what he tells the Philippian church and, and, and how, he, how he talks regarding tradition and, and rules and regulations and legalism. Chapter 3 of Philippians and verses 4 through 9. He says, although I once had confidence in the flesh too. He says, he said, listen, I know what it is to have confidence in the flesh. I know what it is to have confidence in following the rules and following the traditions and being legalistic. I know what it's like to try to earn my way and have confidence in that. He says, although I once had confidence in the flesh too. He says, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Look at verse 7, though. But everything that was a gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Paul knew what it was to be picture perfect. Paul knew what it was to earn his way and feel like he was confident in that. And then what happened? Well, he, he got a personal awakening by the Lord Jesus, didn't he? In Acts 9, we see that road to Damascus. He says, you got this wrong, Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Why aren't you believing in me? Why aren't you trusting in me? He says, I, I'm not going to hold on to things anymore. I'm not going to hold on to the traditions and regulations and legalism anymore. I'm not going to add something to the gospel. I'm going to count it all as loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, I've suffered the loss of all things. I was holding on to something, but now I've let it go. And I've been found in Christ because the grace he had experienced came from Christ alone. The gospel. The gospel allows us to let go of traditions and rules and to just hold on to Christ. When we look at our testimony, the testimony should say that this message that I heard was a message that cut to the heart because it was a message of the gospel from God himself, not human tradition. Next part of the gospel. His gospel testimony says, number two, it's personal. It's personal. Back in Galatians, if you flip back to there, Galatians chapter 1, looking at verses 13 and 14. He says, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I persecuted God's church to an extreme degree and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Paul says, listen, I, I had a former way of life. I had a way that I was, I was living. And it was, it was a way that I was running, I thought, running towards God. But I was wrong. And, and I want us to look at that word former, right? You, you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. See, we all have this backstory. 
We all have some garbage maybe, and we have some, some baggage and some scars and some hurts and some things that we're not proud of and maybe some things we are proud of. But like Paul, he says, I have to consider all of that garbage and understand that even though I'm, I'm in the middle of, of a hurtful place or a, a hard place, that it can all be considered a former way of life. Because when Jesus invades, he gets personal and says, I can do this right now. We, we, can, we can get the gospel to our hearts right now to let it convict us. See, the gospel meets us where we are. When we talk about the gospel being personal, the gospel meets you where you are. It doesn't wait to be revealed until you reach a certain goal or clean up your act just enough. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The only fix that we have for that brokenness, the only fix that we have for our past, for our former way of life, and maybe that's the way of life you find yourself in the present, but the only fix we have is being in Christ, being found in Christ, and, and been given a redemption that he offers, the solution that he offers, which is a righteousness that only he can offer because we can never earn it. The gospel is a message from God to your heart and to my heart in the middle of whatever stage of life that we're in. God calls out to you with his grace. He got re God reaches out and extends out to you his righteousness and is looking for your heart to empty itself of itself and to turn to him in humility and believe the gospel so he can fill you up. We see that passage in Matthew where we look at the, the Beatitudes. Where we see those, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, right? We have to grieve about our sin and then we mourn. We weep because we know we're not worthy. We weep because the gospel hit us right between the eyes, right in the midst of the story that we didn't want the gospel to see. But he invaded us. So we grieve and we mourn and we, we humble ourselves and empty ourselves, coming before God hungry and thirsty for what only he can offer and what only he can do. And we believe the gospel. God meets us personally where we are. Saul, the, the Apostle Paul, Saul in Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, and that, that passage says that Saul was still breathing threats and murder against disciples of the Lord. He was, he was still, still breathing on, on his mouth, on his lips were still murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord when Jesus smacked him. He said, here I am. Why are you persecuting me? And he dealt with Saul's heart then. See, Jesus gets personal and he can save the worst of sinners. He can save you. He can save me. The next part of the testimony of the gospel is number three. It is powerful. We see that the, the gospel message, we see it's powerful. Look at verses 15 and 16a. It says, But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So he said, he's pleased to reveal his son in me. That's where we'll stop, right? And I want us to look at this, this scripture. What's the first word of verse 15? Yet, right, or but, right? It's a conjunction. It's that word, but, but. Now, I, lately, my son is getting a little more bold. He's, he's growing up, and he's speaking more. And, and we're saying, hey, Wesley, it's time for dinner. Come to the table. He says, I, I, I want to, but, but I'm busy. But I'm busy. He's, that's his new phrase. I'm busy, Dad. I'm busy, Mom. And what, he's, he's, I don't, we're always busy, right? It's dinner time. Get to the table. But he uses that word, but, right? So it's this, this way of thinking, like, here's something we're doing, or here's, here's the status that we're in, but is that conjunctive that says there's something else as well, right? There's something else going on here, too. And for you and I to look at this scripture and, and see that conjunctive word, 
It's, it's that word, but. It says, look, I was a sinner. I was, I was the worst. This is what I was doing. This is who I am. But God. Then God showed up. And to see this, that, that but word, my, my kids love to use that as, a, as an interruption, right? But Dad, I want to do something else. But Dad, I want to have candy before dinner. But Dad, I want to go outside and play. It's 40 below. No, you can't. Right? It's an interruption. You're trying to interrupt the flow of what was happening. And, and that's what God does for us. That's why the gospel is powerful. Because he interrupts us. Praise God. Aren't we glad that God interrupts us? Aren't we glad he gave us a wake-up call and said, get up. Look at me. See, we need that interruption. The gospel is powerful. We need to be found in Christ and have Christ found in us. The gospel is powerful because it's God's intervention in our life. It's a holy intervention. You know, after painting this picture of, of Paul's lost condition, he, he describes how God interrupted his life by grace. He says, I was, I was advancing, I was zealous, I was persecuting the church, but God interrupted my story. And he was so grateful for that, and he was showing off, not himself and his own pride, he was showing off how powerful the gospel is in his life. The power of the gospel is seen as God invades our story with a holy interruption, amen, that he interrupts. Turn to Romans chapter 1. It's before the book of Galatians a little bit. We have 2 Corinthians, if going backwards, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, right, and then Romans. Looking at chapter 1 of Romans and verses 16 and 17. Paul is writing this letter as well to the Roman, the church in Rome. He says this in Romans 1, 16 and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Right? So you think about that. He had this former way of life. He was holding on to things. He liked who he was. He was zealous. But God interrupted him and changed everything. And then he says, listen, I'm not ashamed that I'm different. I'm not ashamed that everything I once held on to is counted as dung. I'm not ashamed. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, God's righteousness, right that, that big righteousness word, we use that a lot. It's really important to the gospel. It means God's perfection that he wants to impute onto you and put onto you and onto me, right? God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul says the power of God is found in a righteousness given to us by our faith in Christ alone. As we believe and trust in Christ that 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 righteousness that we need, that perfection that we tried to attain is what he wants to give us because we can never earn it. God gave to us what we can never accomplish or get on our own. And listen, our, going back to Galatians, our Heavenly Father's call on our heart is effective. Right? It'll call the most rebellious sinner and rebellious heart to himself, won't it? Just look in the mirror. Right? I do that. I'm like, wow, how did you call me? How did you get me? Just and think about your own experience, right? If, if you believe the gospel, it is because God was dealing with your heart. God was, was working in your heart. God was, it might have been through a friend. It might have been through a song on the radio. It might have been through a sermon you heard. It may have been through a circumstance. You may have been alone with your thoughts or at least thought you were alone with your thoughts in your bedroom. And God stirred in your heart something that drew you to him. Paul was not searching for God on the road to Damascus. Paul was actively being an enemy of God 
when we, when we know we are called by God, we are called by Him, we are saved by grace, not because of our goodness, but because of His powerful grace that interrupts our messy story. God invades. And for you and I to look back and say, I'm so glad that I did this and I did that and I found God and I searched and I, I crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's. You and I that say that will not be found faithful. We must look back and say, I was in the middle of a mess. And as God drew me to himself, as God changed my heart, he gave me the faith, he gave me the grace to believe in him. And I'm only saved because of God and what he's done. There's power in the gospel, isn't there? The gospel is powerful. And Paul wanted to show, listen, it's not about the right thought or rules or ideals. It's about the message of the power of Jesus Christ, that we would believe and we would be saved. Number four, what else is seen in the testimony of the gospel? Number four is, is its affirmation or that it is affirmed. It is affirmed. Bear with me with this. I, I, I thought about changing this and I tried to figure out what's the best word to use for number four. But I, I just it's affirmed, right? It's, it's affirmation, right? It, it, affirmative. I say, you know, um, are you coming tomorrow to work? Affirmative. That means yes, right? So we can base, our, base it and say, yes, this is, this is how it is um, uh, portrayed. This is, the, this is the way it is correct. This is the way it is seen and proven. It is affirmed. Look at Galatians here, 16b through 20. He goes on and he says, he, he called me so that I could preach of him among the Gentiles, and I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I write to you, I am not lying. God is my witness. And, and affirmative testimony is a testimony that we can convict on. There's evidence that supports and proves the legitimate, legitimacy of the claims. Paul, Paul, what he's saying to the Galatians is, is and, and what's really needed to be said to the Galatians. Paul did the, if Paul said this, Paul said, listen, I, I met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and I wasn't totally sure, so I went to Jerusalem, and I let all those teachers tell me exactly what I need to believe. That is, that is not going to affirm the gospel message in the hearts of these believers, right? It's like, wait, wait, you went back to this group and let them tell you what to believe? Well, that, that's what these people are doing for us. What, why are you different? What is different here? So when Paul says, I didn't go and consult anybody. I didn't go and talk and make sure. I, I heard the message loud and clear, and I understood the message of grace in the gospel, and it was, it's been affirmed. And he says, the affirmation I'm giving you is the fact that it wasn't affirmed by anyone. And that's affirmation because it's powerful, right? And, it's, and God affirms it himself. Paul knows the gospel that he experienced was a first-hand experience. It didn't need to be clarified by someone else. The amazing change inside of Paul was not caused by the Jews or by the church. It was caused by God himself. However, God is amazing at using people in our lives, isn't he? That God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, allows you and I to partner with him in the message of the gospel and the hope of the gospel to people, to the nations. It's, it's pretty amazing. Look at Paul's life. Paul was on the road to Damascus. He had plenty of circumstances, plenty of life experiences, plenty of times where in that, in that life, he met somebody, he saw somebody, he persecuted somebody, he held the coat of somebody and said, yes, let's stone him. 
Remember Stephen, the early church deacon? He, he stood there saying, yes, this is what we do. And he, before he went to Damascus, he went to the, to the priest and said, give me, give me papers, give me some clout. I want to go get these Christians and round them up. He had murderous threats against them in his heart. And when you see someone like Stephen, who was a believer in Christ, being stoned to death right there, and, and, and saying the last things he said was, forgive them, forgive Saul, as he stands there watching, for he does not know what he's doing. That testimony of the power of the gospel invades the heart, doesn't it? And as Paul is walking on the road to Damascus, every instance that, that people did something or said something that promoted the message and affirmed the message of the gospel was present when God, when God confronted him right there. And he knew that God was drawing his heart, that God was calling his heart to something different. And see, that, that's, that's how the message is affirmed. It's the power of God, and, and we see that in, in each other's lives. And I, I would tell you, don't, just because God is calling us to salvation, he's using you and I, brothers and sisters, people, to, to go and affirm the message. Say, here's the testimony of God, and, let, and that, that helps God, partners with God, as he stirs someone's heart. Paul is saying, you see, my initial need not to be affirmed by anyone is actually the affirmation that you're looking for. I don't, I don't have to have everyone's permission and, and, and accountability and, and say, yeah, that's correct. We're good to go. You may go in peace. I know the gospel. I believe the gospel. He received the message of the Lord, and it could not be said that the message is just a copy of someone else's or rhetoric that's being taught from Jerusalem. Right? These Judaizers would, would love to, to say, listen, you don't want to le- learn from Judaism or uh, Jerusalem. What they're preaching is just church dogma. You know, whatever comes out of there, we can't trust. So Paul didn't let anything come out of there, did he? He said, you can trust it because it didn't come out of there, although you still could trust what came out of Jerusalem at that time. He said, I'm not going to affirm that, so the, the affirmation is there for you. He says, I, I, believe, you know, I believe that the Lord called him not to go to Jerusalem because going there would be the hindrance for those believers in that region of Galatia. The Lord knew what the Gentiles initially needed was for Paul to not have been merely convinced by some Jewish converts about the gospel, that Paul, the strictest of Jews, was convinced on his own. And this was the affirmation that Paul was describing. Like Paul, God is the one who convinces our heart. And then he changes it, doesn't he? Doesn't he? See, that's part of the affirmation story as well. Not only did I get the message that wasn't from anybody else, it was just from God, and he convinced me in my, in my heart that it was true, now I see this change in me. Go, go to 2 Corinthians. It's like a page before in my Bible. 2 Corinthians, we're going to chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm 17, that's right, Bill, thanks. I can. 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Old things have passed away and look, the new thing, or, uh, look new things have come. See, God, God is in the business of changing us. And when, he, when the gospel invades, when grace invades, it just doesn't leave us there. God wants us to become formed more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what he says he's predestined us to do as Christians, as believers, that those who would believe in Jesus would be predestined to be conformed into the image of the son, Jesus. You want to test yourself, whether you're in the faith, whether you test yourself, whether you're, we've really believed? Just ask, have I been changed? Has God changed me? And, and for some of us, we can't, it's hard for us to look around and point and judge. 
Because I know my own story, and if your story doesn't look like mine, it may be different, but you, you, may, you may have grown leaps and bounds way, way more than I ever have and still look not quite as put together as me, or vice versa. But for you, for your heart, as you seek it out, are, are, is God changing you? Is he challenging you and convicting you? Is he shaping you and molding you more into the image of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus changes everything. The message of Christ has been affirmed in us. So as Paul writes, he says, listen, I, I, I'm totally changed. I'm totally different. I had all the confidence I needed, but I am totally different. And all of that is rubbish now. You see, the truth is this. You and I are the testimony of death to life through Jesus Christ. And our lives should show that. And that change, that change cannot be refuted. Can't be refuted. So the gospel, the testimony of the gospel is affirmed, proven, shown by our life and the change that he's made by the message we've received. Finally, number five, the testimony of the, of the gospel is active. The testimony of the gospel is active. Back to Galatians in, in verse 21 through 24. It says, Afterwards I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. It says, I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches in Christ. They simply kept hearing. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Listen, our conversion... Our, our meeting God face-to-face -face and, and receiving the gospel, believing the gospel message of Christ, that conversion inside of us, that change inside of us, comes to us with a commission that we be saved to do something. Remember last week I said those who would be false teachers reverse the gospel, don't they? Instead of we're saved by, by grace through faith, four works were saved. In reverse, it would be we're saved by works, right, so we could have faith and receive eternity. That's reversed. We don't put works before grace. But we still understood yet last week that we are saved by grace through faith for works, right? Ephesians says that we're saved for works, that we do have a commission. God is giving us instructions. And those, that commission, that, that obedience should be the response of our heart. In verse 16 of Galatians, we saw that, that Paul was saved, right? And, and God revealed himself to him and God called him into salvation for a purpose so that I could preach him, Jesus, among the Gentiles. We have a purpose. We have a commission. We need to be speaking about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing the testimony, the truth of the gospel. Uh, last passage we're looking at today, you can go away from Galatians, going back to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 5. I know, I should have let you stay there. 2 Corinthians 5, and looking at verse 18. Right after 17, Bill. It's right there. 5, 18 through 20. Look at this commission Paul talks about. He says, Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So this word reconcile means to fix and resolve. That there was a relationship problem between me and God, and, and through the gospel, the message of the gospel, as I heard and I believed it in faith, his grace invaded and, and fixed and repaired that relationship I had because of my sin. Now it's fixed and it's reconciled. So every, uh, everything's from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He was trying to fix and resolve those relationships and restore those, redeem those, 
and give them a righteousness that they could never get. He said, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You and I have this responsibility, this privilege, to not only embrace the gospel in faith and let him change us and transform us, but embrace the mission he's given us to share this, me- this message of reconciliation to the world. In verse 20 says, Therefore we are Christ's ambassadors, or we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Listen, we, we can say we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Because, uh, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We say that we're certain and that Christ is appealing through us. Well, how is that possible? What's what Paul has just shown us. It's the testimony of the gospel. He says, when you get this understanding of the gospel, that it's from God, that it's personal, that it's powerful, that it can be affirmed and proven, then, then it's going to be active. It's going to be active. We need to embrace the act- activeness of the gospel and say, yes, God has saved me by his grace, and I don't have to do a single thing about it except respond with obedience and love to him and others and share this amazing message with other people. I want to live a life that proclaims him and is pleasing to him. I want the the testimony of Christ and the power of the gospel to be seen in my life. I want them to see this amazing story of grace and of God. And I want people to see, through the power of the message of the gospel, the importance that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's a testimony. My encouragement again to you is today, write your testimony. See what God has done in your life. Write it down and see, see how it fits. And, and, and then celebrate God because of what he's done. And go out, go forward, being an ambassador with the message of Christ. Amen? All right, let's stand in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is living and active, it is powerful, and God, sharper than a double-edged sword, and God, that that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. God, as we have gone to Scripture this morning, as we have looked at your word, God, may you show us clearly the hope and the message of the gospel of grace in Christ. And God, would you increase our faith that we might believe wholeheartedly and wrap our minds constantly around the message of the gospel, that Jesus plus nothing is everything. Make us bold. Make us bold to to share this message that sounds crazy to the world. But it is everything, and in it we have found everything. In you we have found everything. And God, for those who who are here today, who got stirring in their heart, who who are still in the middle of their, their old self, their former way of life, God, I pray they would see today as that day God is speaking to their heart that God is calling them to himself and that they would believe, they would drop themselves, turn from their old way and believe today. We know that you're an amazing God and you do amazing things in us. Help us respond to you. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, it is time to respond through our our worship and through a song. And maybe you need to pray where you are or sing it out and worship Jesus. Whatever it is, I'll, I'll be down front if you'd like to pray with somebody. 
Whatever, whatever you need, whatever's going on in your heart, respond now to Christ.